0: visit the allingospel.com website. All right, there we go. Hi everybody. Uh, The chat is open off to the side. So if you wanna talk or chat or comment, you are welcome to do that. Uh, I'm gonna cover that up so I won't see it while I'm doing the teaching tonight, but uh, welcome. Uh, Welcome to Bible study for Sunday night, and uh, uh, praise the Lord, we have technology, we can still do this, and we can still meet, and we can still talk. So um, let's have an evening and share it together. I hope you had someone to eat supper with, uh, where you could kind of have that fellowship and that time together. Uh, After tonight's Bible study, we can hang out in the chat a little bit, so there can be a place for questions and whatnot. And again, I'll kind of read through that chat or scroll through it after uh, the Bible study's all over with. We miss you guys. It's tough to be all cooped up and alone, and in our little townhouse by ourselves. Um, And we just hope that you're blessed. Let's start with a word of prayer, and we'll get going. Dear Lord and King, uh, thank you for the blessing that that you've given to us, the 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 privilege to study your word. And Lord, as our country and our world goes through uh, the fear of disease and pandemic, uh, Lord, we just pray you bless and make this a time when your people can stand out as champions of your. Hope and champions of your grace uh, for others, and we just pray that you bless all that we do, um, including this. Lord, open our eyes and our ears to the hearing of your word that we can learn from it. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, let me start tonight by saying, especially if there's anyone listening right now where this is your first time to uh, uh, Sunday night Bible study with us, um, and and your first night is Leviticus 15. Uh, let me just say I'm really, really sorry. Um, this is not a good first night to start off with Bible study, um, because we're going to be well. If you've looked at chapter 15 at all, uh, you're going to see that this is a, a a really tough chapter. And of course, if it's a tough chapter, um, the tendency is to skip it, to go over it. But God didn't put it in His Word if it didn't have a reason for it. So we're going to study this tonight. We're going to go through it. Uh, if there's any children in the room, we will be hitting uh, PG-13 topics. Uh, just to let you know that. and uh, and and in some senses, I'm really glad I get to teach this to an empty room, uh, or at least a room with my family over in the corner, um, because then I don't have to endure the embarrassment of having people's reactions to the topics tonight. So scan ahead and you'll know what I'm talking about a little bit. We'll be in Leviticus fifteen tonight. Uh, and then we'll take a little pause, and then I think uh, I'm gonna get to Leviticus sixteen. So if people want, they can either stop at the pause and then have something else during the week they can listen to. Um, I'm also going to say that we recorded just to test out this and the lights and everything else. We did record Ephesians 1, uh, and we think that while everybody's cooped up, we might have room for some more Bible studies. So we are going to work our way through the book of Ephesians and probably do two or three of those during the week. So just watch the YouTube channel uh, and you'll see when those pop up. Um, and you can enjoy some extra Bible study as we're doing things. So Leviticus 15, let's kick it off. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean, and this shall be his uncleanness in regard to his discharge. Whether his body runs with his discharge or his body's stopped up by his discharge, it is his uncleanness every bed is unclean on which he who has the discharge lies, and everything on which he sits shall be unclean. And whoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Stop laughing. Uh, we will get through this. Uh, so yeah, you look at this kind of stuff and you just think, oh my goodness. Um, so may God's word teach us what we have to learn from this. Uh Moses and Aaron, you'll notice that as we've gone through Leviticus, uh, whenever it's just to Moses, it's generally about the law. When it's to Moses and Aaron, it's generally about the law and then a flesh issue or something with the flesh. And that's partially because Aaron and the high priesthood is going to have to guide people in their day-to-day life. They're the ones that have to deal with the flesh. So in the flesh, we have these things that come out of us. It's not clear what discharge means. Uh, It could mean any of a number of things. And people generally assume that we're talking about semen. Uh, Again, this is PG-13. But at this point, because if you look down on verse 16, it's very clear that's what we're talking about later on. Um, But right now, that's not clearly what we're talking about. It could be anything that comes out of a person. And when it says sometimes it runs and sometimes it stops us up, uh, that means this could be a digestive kind of discharge that's coming out. That saying, it's unclean. Um, and you imagine, like, you imagine why do you need to say these things? But if, if you've, if for those of you that have parented and you've had kids, you know that at some point you need to teach your kids certain things about life. And you imagine a rough group of people at the foot of Mount Sinai, right? These are former slaves out of Egypt. This is the beginning of history. They don't really have kind of cleanliness culture. Um, and at some point, God, through this chapter, is going to tell people. As human as you are, you have to clean up after yourself. So I think of this as any discharge. If it's getting on things, you, gotta, you have to clean up. So it's a literal discharge, which basically means wash yourself. But there's a social consequence, which is when you're unclean, you need to stay away from the courtyard until you're cleaned up. Give it a day right? And then there's a spiritual side, right? There's this spiritual image of sin where when we're asked to stay away from the courtyard, we're separated from God. And there's things that separate us from God and things that don't. And as as a spiritual level in Leviticus, we've seen a lot of that, right? So the courtyard is the place that you want to be. To be in the camp is to be with the people of God. And then we get taken away from those things. So sin keeps you away from the courtyard and the people of God. No one gets to come into his presence in this unclean state. If you try to come into the presence in an unclean state, you die like Aaron's two sons. And a lot of these kinds of things, since chapter 11, we saw the food habits, right? Everything you eat is either clean or unclean. Learn how to separate that. Chapter 12, we're born unclean, right? We come into this unclean state when we're born. Chapters 13 and 14, there's uncleanness that comes from outside of us that we have to worry about, right? There's this leprosy that can can attack and grow on us, right? And in verse 15, we get the idea that the uncleanness even comes from inside of us, right? It's what comes out of us then that is the, the unclean thing. And in chapters 18 through 22, we're gonna come right back to this. We're gonna come more to these ideas that there's clean and there's unclean. So the idea here is, try to be clean and to live set apart because this is what what God wants for his holy people. Don't take this for granted as with Aaron's sons, God isn't going to be mocked in this regard. He won't let this stuff go. He sets out the rules. He expects, expects us to keep those rules and he defines what those are. So respect other people. In this sense, verses one through five, if you're making a mess, if you've got the flu, if you've got some sort of a disease don't expect other people to clean that up. Like clean up your stuff, wash your clothes, wash your bedding, um, get yourself in good shape. If you mess up the toilet, please clean it. These are the kinds of things we teach our kids, right? Um, Take care of those things. Verse six, he who sits on anything on which he who has the discharge sat shall wash his clothes and bathe in water, take a bath. You're unclean till evening. He who touches the body of him who has the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. And if he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. Because apparently, spitting was a major issue in the ancient world. Let's not leave out any possible situation when you've got this discharge happening, which is pretty much all the time, every day, depending on what kind of discharge we're talking about, you're unclean. So the law here isn't meant for interpretations, it's meant for diagnosis. These are the ways things can change. And you're thinking at some level, this implies that uncleanness can be caught by other people. So think what this does to Jewish culture. Not only am I worried about my own uncleanness, but I'm worried about your uncleanness too. If I touch you at the wrong time or if you spit on me, because I have to worry about that now, this creates a mistrust in strangers, but it also creates a trust and a loyalty with people that you know are paying attention to clean and unclean. So I don't want to be around people that don't understand this, because they're not going to respect social distance, they're not going to respect trying to be clean, um, and I am going to trust the people who do. And people i know have an ethic towards this i'm going to be able to be comfortable around them because i don't have to worry about being touched by somebody who's let themselves become unclean in this regard it also creates an entire nation of people that take baths and it creates a clean culture which we take for granted i think in america we generally take baths every day Um, but that wasn't necessarily the case in the ancient world people didn't always take baths it was their favorite day of the year Um, but it wasn't necessarily something they did regularly well With these rules, I'm going to take baths all the time because I might touch somebody and not even know that they're unclean. So out of just this desire to be holy, I'm going to keep taking baths. So in a practical sense, it creates a a clean society. In a spiritual sense, I want to be praying all the time then about touching or coming in contact with people that may make me unclean. right? And I want to constantly be refreshing, renewing, washing myself in the Word of God so that I can be clean. I'll keep going. I'm going to move fairly quick through this chapter. Any saddle on which he who has the discharge rides shall be unclean, which is just a disgusting thought that when people sit down, they're not cleaning themselves up proper. Um, I think this is why there was a run on toilet paper in the last week, is people really want to make sure they pay attention to this, because who wants to be unclean in such a way that you're wrecking all the saddles you ride on? Verse 10, whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until evening he who carries any of those things shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. Imagine being the stable master and you have to put the saddle away and that's what you find on the saddle. Um, It would be disgusting. And as a saddle person, you would would like this rule of why don't you just stay home and be apart from people in the meantime so that you can get clean. If you're sick, just stay home because nobody wants to clean your saddle. Whoever is the one who has the discharge touches, verse 11, and whomever the one who has the discharge touches and has not rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. Wash your hands, take care of yourself, be clean. And the vessel of earth that he who has the discharge touches shall be broken and every vessel of wood shall be washed or rinsed in water. So there are some vessels that can be cleaned and washed are stainless steel. There's some vessels like pottery, earthen vessels, that seem to contain corruption. And once again in Leviticus in verse 12, we see this idea that earthen vessels can be corrupted. They're a corruptible material. When they're corrupted, they need to be destroyed or broken or killed. Think of this. If you thought of this enough, you'd go nuts. If you really tried to follow this, and this is where I think Paul says the law was to show us how impossible all of this is. Imagine yourself trying to go through life never touching anyone who's unclean. And you'd go neurotic, you'd become anxious about it all the time. Um, You would at some point realize or have to give up on it and just say, look, I guess I'm gonna be unclean because I can't avoid everybody, I can't not touch everyone, I don't even know that what I'm touching has or hasn't been touched by unclean or clean people. So not being able to track any of that, imagine being a merchant Imagine being somebody who um, trades goods and you're constantly touching other people's things. And I think given the coronavirus, it's not that hard to imagine this kind of society where suddenly we have to worry about this all the time or we have to trust in God to make us clean. Verse 13, And when he who has a discharge is clean of his discharge, then he shall come for himself seven days for his cleansing wash his clothes and bathe his body in running water, living water, that he shall be clean. Take a bath. <clears throat> Moreover, take a bath in clean water. Um make it, you know, if you can put some soap in there and get your rubber ducky, take some time. Seven days is gonna eliminate anything. So if the discharge is say vomit, seven days should get you over that flu, right? It's a quarantine period. Stay away from the tabernacle, stay away from the courtyard, so people don't have to worry about coming to worship God and getting sick right so take some time away and do that so literally some time away from things and for a slave population this is kind of nice they didn't get to take breaks when they got sick but to say why don't you just take a little break you can do that most of the flu bugs wear their course and the benefit for the nation na- nation is a healthy nation when people self quarantine and get themselves away so if chapter 11 the food was unclean not the person remember the shellfish were unclean but the the fish that have scales and fins, those are clean. In chapter 11, we always talked about clean and unclean in terms of the animal that you're eating or the food that you're eating. Here, the human being produces the unclean substance. We're the makers of the unclean thing. Unclean comes from within us, but not from without, right? That's what Jesus was talking about, right? Verse 14, on the eighth day, he shall take for himself two turtle doves and two young pigeons and come before the Lord the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and give them to the priest. Then the priest shall offer them the one as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering. so the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord because of his discharge, <laughs> because of the nastiness you brought into the world. This is interesting. The other place we saw turtle doves and young pigeons is when a leper came to the temple after they'd been clean, uh, cured of an incurable disease. So when we see the turtle doves and the two young pigeons, we see a very minor, low-cost kind of thing to come into the temple and just take care of that. So this is um, the same as that. The only difference is the leprosy person would have shaved every part of their body before they came in. So you'd be able to visibly see who the leper people were with the turtle doves and who the normal people who had discharge were with the turtle doves. It's interesting that in, in Egyptian society, the people that shaved themselves everywhere were the priests, the extremely wealthy, the pharaoh. And in Hebrew society, it was the people that just got done with leprosy. So God flips that whole idea of shaving everything. And in our society, it's the swimming competitive swimmers. Burnt for cause and sin offerings are because of what comes out of us. Um, I think in Matthew 15, 11, like I said, this is what Jesus is talking about. It's not what goes into the mouth of, that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. And he's referring to this chapter. Basically, anything that comes out of us physically or spiritually is unclean. This is why we need God, because we as humans produce unclean. It's why we need renewal. It's why we need holiness. It's the state of things. And remember, this is in the context of Aaron's two sons getting killed because they didn't understand how reverent and holy this place was going to be. There's a chapter structure here, and I want to point this out before we get to verse 16. Uh, we've talked about chiasms in, in, in the Bible before. Chiasms are largely a literary device that's the result of a scroll being the primary uh, medium for communicating writing. So in the middle of the scroll, you have your most important point. And as you roll the scroll out, you get points that support it, that mirror each other. I don't know if you saw this or noticed this, but the whole is set up like a chiasm. Verses 1 through 15 have abnormal discharges for men, right? Verses 25 through 33 have abnormal discharges for women. In the middle then, 16 through 24, you see normal discharges for men and normal discharges for women, and there's no sacrifices needed for the normal stuff that's coming up in the next few verses. So the abnormal things require sacrifices. There may be something where you need to ask God for forgiveness on those. But when we get to verses 16 through 24, notice there's no sacrifices required. This is just normal day-to-day life um, where men and women have things they discharge that we need to uh, um, clean up. And then in verse 18, we talk about sex with men and women together. And at the very middle of this chapter, there's this one verse where men and women come together and they produce a state where they need to take a bath and take a day away from the congregation. Nothing sinful about it. It's just normal life and normal humanity um, producing these things. So stay clean and wash up. So here's verse 16. If any man has an emission of semen, then he shall wash his body in water and be unclean until evening. And any garment and any leather on which there is semen shall be washed in water. It's unclean till evening. So this accounts for nocturnal emissions. It accounts for masturbation. This is where I'm really happy. There's nobody in the room. Basically, when these things happen, clean up. And they're normal. Uh, This is something where guys can get so excited while they're sleeping that these kind of things, they they basically have to do this. If that happens, don't expect other people to clean up the sheets. Wash the sheets. If you sleep on a leather bed, apparently you need to clean the leather too. So take care of all those things. Don't ask other people to do that for you. This gets to be really private. And I'll say for guys, it's even a little embarrassing when you're a teenager and these things happen. Um, And you kind of quickly scramble to clean these things up. Um, but at some level, there's no requirement of atonement. There's nothing, to, it's not necessarily a sin here and there's no sacrifice needed, but it is something where you're ceremonially unclean and you're not, you're not fit to go into the tabernacle area until nighttime. So take that time that you have and clean up your mess. Verse 18, also when a woman lies with a man, there is an emission of semen and they shall bathe in water and be unclean until evening. So sex is not bad. And throughout the Bible men and women, husbands and wives are encouraged to have sex, be fruitful and multiply and children are a blessing and all that's good, but there's emissions that come with that. Clean up and and don't be don't be making a mess that that that, that other people have to smell or enjoy. Yeah. Do those things with care and have good sanitation about them, right? verse 19, we get to normal discharges that women have. If a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she, sh- she shall be set apart seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything that she lies on during her impurity, impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. <clears throat> and whoever touches anything that she has sat on she'll wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. And, and, and if anything is on her bed or anything on which she sits, when he touches it, she'll be unclean until evening. And if any man lies with her at all, so that her impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days on every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. Menstrual blood is also to be cleaned up and cleansed and washed. They didn't have modern sanitary devices or resources So in this era, they would have used rags or scraps of cloth. Um, A really interesting part of this, and and I know this is, again, PG-13, but look at those verses and notice that she is never unclean up to this point. There's no mention of her being unclean in and of herself. This is a private thing. It's a regular thing. It's a normal thing. And the unclean is the guy that messes with her while she's going through this. So guys... When somebody says they're having their time or their period, let them be and and give them some space. Let her have her privacy when she needs it. Think of the respect that brings into the marriage relationship. Think of the limits that puts on guys because a girl at any time can verbally say that she's unclean and it means the guy needs to stay away. It gives girls a social tool they can use. And in these verses, it never says that they're unclean but the things that are touched by the blood become unclean, right? So, and anyone who touches the things that touch the blood, again, you, now you're just worried about being unclean all the time. There's another place in the Bible where these rags get mentioned. Isaiah uses this chapter to talk about the spiritual state of Israel. And you read this in light of this chapter and you think, oh my goodness. And he says in Isaiah 64:6, 6, we are all like an unclean thing. We're all unclean. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. And this is what he's talking about. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Isaiah says the whole nation of Israel has become without righteousness and their righteousness is like filthy rags, inherent uncleanness. So you follow the rules, everybody, male and female, and male and female together, normally become unclean and not able to come into the tabernacle. Verse 23, then, we come away from those kinds of things that are not normal for women, right? Like we started for guys. If anything is on her bed or anything which she sits on when she touches it, he shall be unclean till evening. Oh, I'm sorry, I was rereading that. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, that's not normal, other than the time of her customary impurity. If it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity she shall be unclean. So that's not normal. So a woman can at any time declare that she needs some space from people. She gets time to heal up. She gets time away. Jesus encountered a woman, remember, that was bleeding for 12 years straight. And it's almost like this passage of of, of Leviticus is here so that that story can be more relevant. When she came after 12 years, she was perpetually unclean. That means for 12 years, she couldn't come into the tabernacle. She couldn't go into the courtyard. She couldn't sacrifice in the courtyard. She couldn't enjoy the teaching and the music that was in the temple area. Um, She was separated for 12 years. And she comes up to Jesus, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind, this is in Matthew 9, and touched the hem of his garment for she said to herself, if only I can touch his garment. Listen to the desperation. If only I can touch his garment, I can be made well. But Jesus turned around when he saw her and said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour, right? She couldn't go right into the tabernacle because she needed seven days, according to this law afterwards. But Luke says the bleeding immediately stopped. From that hour, she counted, started counting down the time that she could go back to the tabernacle and feel her health come back. You can bet one of the first things she did was to celebrate that healing that happened in the tabernacle. In both Gospels, that story of the woman who got healed from her bleeding is a story where Jesus is raising somebody from the dead. He's called to help somebody um, who has become sick. And in the time it takes him to get there, she dies. So this story of healing, this bleeding comes right in the middle of this other story where Jesus raises a young girl back to life. In both cases, Jesus restores life. In one case, he restores it physically. But with this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, he restores it physically and spiritually, which is more important. Verse 29. And on the eighth day, She shall take for herself two turtle doves, two young pigeons, same as the guy, and bring them to the priest to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And then the priest shall offer the one as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement, shall cover for her before the Lord for the discharge of her uncleanness. Summary, basically there's elements of our life that are normal reminders to us. God put it into our biology. There's parts of our life that are a normal reminder to us that we are unclean, and that on our own, we can't come into the presence of God on a regular, that we have limitations to that. This chapter, by the way, is a great opportunity to talk with your young kids about these issues that are hard to talk about, the birds and the bees kinds of issues, right? So if you're studying through this when they're at the right age, you kind of can just say, well, it's just the Bible says it, let's talk about it. So I think God might have put this in the Bible just to give us a nice, easy pathway in having these conversations. Um, so thank you for that, Lord. There are elements of our life that are private, essentially private. And these are some of those elements of our life, these things that can cause shame and embarrassment, or they, we can understand that they're normal and they're ways that God has taught us to be reminded of our state, right? And that that state is healed by God and is solved by God. It's not sinfulness, it's our nature that we have to deal with, Right? <clears throat> Verse 31 Thus you shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness when they defile my tackle, tabernacle that is among them, like Aaron's two sons just died in the narrative. This is the law for one who has a discharge, for him who emits semen and is unclean thereby, for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity, and for one who has discharge, either man or woman and for him who lies with her is who is unclean. That summary kind of brings it all together, right? None of these things, the normal things, make them sinful. They're just ceremonially unclean. But both the blood and the seed that are associated with life, the life of humanity, is part of what God's defining as unclean. That makes basically the tabernacle an area that has some limitations too. So in pagan worship, sex was often part of the worship process, right? And it was commonly part of it. Discharges were often to be part of it, right? There was something gross about them, so it, it, it created a show. So priests would do things and, and have have things that happened in there. And by, And by God saying these things stay away from the tabernacle meant that you don't use these things in religious worship, which sounds like an odd thing for us to say. But again, in the pagan world, You're talking to a bunch of cavemen that need rules. No, this sort of thing that's a normal part of our life is not to be brought in for display in a public ceremony. So sex is never part of Jewish religious tradition. It's not part of the feasts. It's not part of the festivals. It's not something you do out in public in front of everyone, right? The Various discharges and things that are part of our normal private lives don't become public in a religious ceremony. There's limits to that. And God's kind of drawing those lines. He separates Judaism, in this case, from most of the other ancient religions of that region. This is incredible. God basically says at the foot of Mount Sinai, here's who I am. And the people of Israel say, okay, well, we'll serve you. And God then turns around and says, okay, well, if you want to serve me, here's how you're going to do it. Here's the sacrifices I want. This golden calf nonsense you did, That's not what I want. Leviticus 1 through 5, these are the sacrifices I want. This is why I want them. It has to do with your holiness, not because I need your sacrifices. You're not doing sacrifices to appease me, right? I'm not some weird Greek god or Canaanite god or Egyptian god. You do sacrifices because your state as a human needs to be put into a a place where I can be in your presence because I'm holy, and I want you to be holy too. So here's how you're going to do that. And in in Leviticus, he shows the priesthood how to do these sacrifices. Then he shows them how to consecrate the priests. Then he shows them, you know, then he starts showing us from chapter 11 on, here's how you start living a life that's divided from the unclean world. And now here in this chapter, and here's how you just take a break when the uncleanness of you starts to become part of what you have to deal with. in this sense, Israel is going to be bound to this process, right? They're bound to this idea of clean and unclean. And the purpose of all of this is to point the Jewish people for a Messiah. Because at some point, if you're walking around worrying about clean and unclean all the time, don't you just start to pine for a Messiah that can just clean all this up and make it right? And in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. I didn't come to abolish this. I came to accomplish their purpose. When Messiah comes and that that Holy Spirit washes us out and cleans us and makes us ceremonially clean, we don't have to worry about all this stuff anymore. right? The whole point of this is to make us want to worry about or think about these things and to be grateful when Messiah comes and figures it out. They tell God, well, We'll do this, and God says, okay, well, here's how you're going to do it. A couple last thoughts on this chapter. According to, and, and I think this is part of what the new believers had to figure out in the New Testament. According to the New Testament, if you look at Acts 15, uh, and because of what Jesus said about purity and spiritual purity, John 15:3, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. In Acts 15, they have to sort all this out. And the disciples make a decision and say, as believers in Christ, and because of what Christ said, it's through the word that we're cleansed. And we don't have to worry about the ceremonially unclean or clean stuff anymore. When Jesus came and was the sacrifice for our sins, we don't need to do all these sacrifices anymore. But it doesn't mean that we abandon or abolish that consideration, that understanding of who we are and what we are. Those things stay in place, but we can simply pray and become clean in when we abide in Christ. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So whether or not that's a ceremonially unclean status or a sinfully unclean status, all we have to do is confess our sins before the Lord. He makes us clean. And chapter 15 makes me think how grateful I am for that system and that I'm born in this era of time versus these Jewish people that really had to endure this for a season of history, right? We get to come before God through through Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and we become ceremonially clean when we do that in the right heart and in the right spirit. So now that that's covered, you got your foods, you got things like leprosy that come from outside of you, you've got things that come from inside of you, there's all sorts of things that make you clean and unclean. Don't mess with the tabernacle if you're unclean. Now that we've dealt with that, we can get back to the narrative that we started with. The priests have been consecrated, they're ready to go. And in the next chapter, we're gonna get to Yom Kippur, uh, which is the Day of Atonement. We're gonna have this middle thing. And 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 we'll start that in just a sec. I'm gonna take a little break and get a drink of water and um, pause the podcast and give people a chance to move around. And then I'm gonna dig into chapter 16 Um, and we'll do that. So I'm just going to mute for a little bit. Oh, Hey, my dad's watching. Hi, dad. Just see things in there. If you found this teaching helpful, insightful, you can support this podcast by sharing it with a friend, screenshot it, tag it, post it on your social media.